Hello again, everybody, and welcome to episode 32 of the Unified Rules of Podcast. Here are your hosts, as usual, Eric Hamidi and Edmund Kwan. Hey there, Edmund. How you doing? Doing good, man. Okay, okay, very good. You know, it's funny. After last week's episode, now I understand why you love style versus style matchups. After that whole conversation, now I have a better idea of it. Have you seen any recent style versus style matchups? No, 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 no. I, it's based on our episode last week. Oh, okay. I see what yeah, you mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's because of our episode and like what we talked about and the the deep dive conversation that we had. That's why I'm saying now I understand. Like, because you told me about your background. So now I get and Now I have a better understanding why you enjoy that so much. Nice. Yeah. You got my origin story. A little bit, yeah. I mean, <laughs> you know, the thing goes, at least in boxing, at least, style makes fights. So mm -hmm. I, the same applies to MMA. I'm excited for the sequel today. Well, let me ask you this real quick as we're kind of getting into this, because the purpose of this episode is to follow up from our conversation last week, because originally what we were going to talk about was things that we missed about MMA. But then, as it kind of turned out, it kind of evolved into this conversation, talking about different fight styles or martial arts disciplines. And I just thought, okay, let's let it go. And I guess this is the best way I can put it. The reason why I wanted to do this follow-up was because, honestly, at least for me, I didn't have this, like, the thoughts that I was presenting or the things I was saying, I didn't have it really all that well thought out last week. And through editing the episode, listening to it, I've been thinking about it a lot. And this is kind of along the lines of a refined or final take on some of that stuff that I have. So it's kind of it's kind of a fine-tuned version of it. And I mean, I don't know if there's new thoughts that you have or anything that new came up when you were listening to the episode. I mean, really, I just want to talk more about Bloodsport and Jean-Claude Van Damme. If <laughs> I mean, I don't know if we're necessarily going to get into that, but I guess we'll see how this conversation turns out. But that's the main motivation for me was that I felt like maybe I didn't present my points all that well last week. So I kind of wanted to have the platform here to present my points better, I suppose. And you know how last week we were talking about how if MMA was called hybrid fighting or if it was called hybrid or something like that, just if it had a different name other than mixed martial arts? Yeah. So I thought of a better way to say this stuff. And one of the things is that I'm going to take actual, I'm going to, now that I've kind of looked into this, I can, I'm going to use actual martial arts disciplines as examples. So for instance, you have Taekwondo where it's not like Taekwondo is a combination of karate or some other martial art like Kung Fu or anything else. It's just Taekwondo is its own style. I, I don't know if you're looking at me like where, I don't know if you're looking at me quizzically or you're confused about something. I just disagree with that statement too. What, that Taekwondo is its own style or something? Because it's... Here's the thing. I don't feel like any martial arts, even in the past, could be free from any influence of whatever the contemporary martial arts is at the time. Mm -hmm. Like If you look at Taekwondo, it's really a recent invention made by like the Korean government to kind of promote its own sports. And it did take a lot from karate because of Japanese occupation and then also mixed a lot of that with traditional Korean martial arts too. So it's like, in a way, Taekwondo of itself was a form of like kind of MMA. Really? Depending on its time and place. Yeah. Yeah, hmm. really. It is. I mean, well, because here's the thing, and I guess I'm kind of going to get into this, but I guess I can mention it now. I think the reason why, I mean, because I didn't know that Taekwondo is a, like, a refined or combination of other martial arts. 
I think the thing about it is that the name mixed martial arts kind of throws me off. And because it's not this singular name or it doesn't have this, I guess, title to it, like karate or, or Brazilian jiu-jitsu or something like that. That's why it threw me off as far as the other disciplines like Taekwondo or karate and all that stuff. Those are its own styles. But I, I think, and it's interesting because like the more I'm looking into it, literally moments before we started recording, I started rethinking that whole notion. And I'll get to that in a second, but I'll let you finish your thing. I mean, my thing is just, I, I feel like people are just trying to categorize martial arts too much, mm -hmm. which is like, I mean, A, it's fun. I like doing that too, just because in a way, I guess it's like with these stereotypes of certain martial arts styles, you get a general idea of how a fighter should fight or kind of move. But I'm also kind of glad something like MMA exists in this modern day where it's like most fighters nowadays, they don't care what style something's from. If it works, they do it. Just, okay. I feel like take a look like 10 or 15 years ago. Yeah. Almost nobody would ever think about throwing spinning back kicks. Mm -hmm. Quote unquote, oh, they don't work. Oh, you only see that in movies. Now, I feel like not everybody's going to throw a spinning back kick, but they work in the octagon. Yeah. And that's just through this evolution of martial arts, like what we've seen with MMA, where it's like people can basically they can incorporate things from other disciplines into their own practice. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And and kind of going back to Taekwondo, I remember it used to be like a joke if you told somebody you did Taekwondo to, to certain people. Yeah. I totally respect the art. It's awesome. It's crazy. Hell, even Joe Rogan had a background in Taekwondo, you know? Yeah, and he, he talks about how he used to get made fun of for being a Taekwondo practitioner. Yeah. But now it's like you see a lot of it being incorporated into MMA. I mean, not a lot of it, but people are doing spinning back kicks. A lot of kicking styles now are more karate and taekwondo inspired just because they do focus on a slightly different kicking technique that lets you kick a little faster and still have some power in it. So it's... I feel so, like we've come full circle. <laughs> okay, so so not so basically, what you're saying is that other martial arts disciplines, not just mixed martial arts, their modifications, or, sorry, they are modifications or combinations from other disciplines to create this one, whatever it may be, whether it's Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu or Taekwondo or whatever. Yeah, I feel like the only exceptions to this are like martial arts that were historically sports for mm -hmm. entertainment so that would be boxing and wrestling those two martial arts like those history, are standalone that don't yeah. involve like that don't involve implementation of other facets of other disciplines well yeah they had strict rule sets that prevented you from doing other stuff like boxing just beating another dude's face in with just your hands has been like a part of history since like ancient egypt at least and that was like a sport yeah so same with wrestling i think like every culture on the planet has its own form of wrestling yeah and the rules may vary but it's just you're not gonna hit the dude you're just gonna throw him on the ground or pin him on its back or put him in a submission. Any one of those forms of wrestling like exist within every culture. And that's yeah. like the strict rule set of just grappling, no striking. Yeah. And I find it interesting what you're saying, Edmund, as far as kind of the shooting down my first point, because that kind of ties into some of the things that I've kind of been realizing either in the last couple of days or literally in the last few hours before we started doing this episode. 
And here's the fact about it. I kind of already touched on it saying that I think what happened is that the name mixed martial arts, that's what throws me off where because it's called mixed martial arts, I thought that other disciplines like Taekwondo or boxing or Kung Fu, those are their, the, those are singular disciplines. And I guess to an extent, based on what you said, boxing is a singular discipline, correct? Yeah, because boxing is boxing as just boxing. It's kind of like a sport and it's been a sport throughout human history. Like boxing, I guess if you need to get into the nitty gritty, what is boxing? Is it boxing like we have it today with the gloves and all that? Or is it boxing like something like bare knuckle fight championships bkfc i mean like, can't can it be said that it could be both depending on whether you box with gloves or without gloves yeah but then the rule set for bkfc they allow for some clinching and grappling and dirty boxing which does not exist in professional boxing, boxing. As, yeah yeah i mean so we, it, we saw that in the recent dillian white tyson fury fight anytime they clinch it's like break up or at least yeah that's what you're supposed to do yeah so it's like, I mean, it gets to a point where you're kind of splitting hairs on like what's boxing, but I, I guess, yeah, my point is like the fact that even the ancient Egyptians had a sport where, okay, you guys could only punch each other in the face or in the body, only the hands. I just find that fascinating. And I guess that's the closest I think we'll ever get to a singular discipline to just boxing and wrestling okay because okay. those are just they've been sports okay for okay human and history. and you know what it's funny and this is part of the thing that i like is that i had a certain thing that i was gonna say or like this entire week i thought i was gonna present something in a certain way but based on what's happened today it's really just changed up that whole thing because i guess for whatever reason how can I put this? So going into this episode, I thought to myself, okay, mixed martial arts, it's a combination of other facets from other disciplines and other martial arts styles. That's not the case. Those are its own creation or it's its own singular discipline and all that. But based on what's been happening the last couple of days, I've had a revision of that where, for instance, if you look at judo that was a refined form a modification from jiu-jitsu and then brazilian jiu-jitsu is a modification from judo yeah so and i guess the thing that i was thinking of going into this is that in my mind i thought okay we have things like pancration and combat sambo which are striking combined with grappling and for me, I thought to myself, oh, okay, it's not called mixed martial arts because, I don't know, this this may not make sense, Edwin, but like when I hear mixed martial arts, it's almost, to me, that can be viewed as X plus Y. But when you have a name like Pancration, Combat Sambo, it has a specific title to it. I think that's the thing that threw me off. And I thought to myself, okay, can MMA become something where it has that type of a name like Pancration or Combat Sambo? But then I realized Pancration is a combination of boxing and wrestling. Combat Sambo is a combination of the grappling arts and striking. You know, they combine elements of judo or jujitsu, wrestling, all that stuff. In essence, like even those other modifications, because pancreation is an early form of MMA, that's a combination of other forms. Yeah. Honestly, I'm fine with the modern name of just mixed martial arts or MMA. Mm -hmm. I think it gets the point across. Yeah. And yeah, it is going to be a mixed discipline of striking, grappling. Mm -hmm. and then refined in a way where you're the idea is you're fighting against someone else who also is going to strike or grapple with you. Yeah. And I also like that there's a sports aspect to it or the competitive aspect to it. I think that's important too. 
and it's like there's a lot i always go down like self-defense rabbit holes on youtube just because i love martial arts i love mma and i also like traditional arts and i i also want to see like what's new what's new out there that people are devising for like self-defense and nowadays instead of just krav maga or something which by the way is in a way like an all-encompassing self-defense martial art you have like all these different places coming up with their own self-defense systems i feel like that's like the new trend in self-defense now is like something something system something something self-defense system so yeah i think it's on your point of like finding the all encompassing name of like this new style. I think we're at a time and an age where like people want almost literal names of a sport. Although I feel like it's always been like that anyways, but it's like, it's a very literal name. You want it short and sweet to encompass everything. So that's why these self-defense styles are calling themselves a self-defense system. And then you have MMA, which is just called mixed martial arts. Which, I, which, you know, I will say really quick, there's part of me from last week where I'm sort of thinking MMA is actually its own discipline. It seemed as though last week I was kind of maybe suggesting otherwise. But honestly, now that I'm looking back on that, part of me is sort of thinking, what was I thinking? Because I, I, it's just that the fact that, okay, yeah, mixed martial arts, it's a discipline even though it's mixed martial arts and it doesn't have a single name like pancreation or what have you it's its own discipline that's why i keep saying i think the name of it threw me off and i think another reason why i was thinking that is that recently i was watching some fights and i don't remember which fight it was but for some reason i saw it as very segmented for some reason i wasn't viewing it as an mma bout i was thinking to myself, oh, this fighter is using jujitsu right here. This guy's using kickboxing right here. It's just, I think it was just the mentality I was in at the time for some reason. And, and I think last week's episode, honestly, was kind of like me sort of thinking out loud. And you kind of caught me by surprise with some of the things that you were saying, to be perfectly honest. I'm kind of curious, like, did you watch an old fight or like a recent fight? No, or... no, it was it was recent. And that see, that's the weird thing about it is that it wasn't about from the 90s. I mean, I will admit I did watch Mark Coleman versus Maurice Smith from 1997 after we recorded our episode. But the fight that led me to think that way, as far as seeing it as very broken up and segmented, it was from an event that happened a few weeks ago. I just can't for the life of me remember which one it was. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, it, I, it, it I just, could kind it's, of... It's just the state of mind I was in when I watched that bout and I was just expressing it in that episode. I can kind of see what you mean, though, just because nowadays I feel like a lot of fighters in the UFC are like we were talking about last time, people tend to specialize in yeah. either striking or grappling, which, which is, is, you know, which totally I do fine. have a point, which I do have a point to say about that a little bit later, but let's not jump the gun here. And yeah, well, people who tend to specialize in like striking, like kickboxing or something, they stand in a more Muay Thai stance or a more karate stance. And people who tend to specialize more in grappling tend to stand in like a lower crouch, kind of like a lower boxing stance. Yeah. And I feel like, yeah, in a way, it does kind of look segmented like that because the guy who's doing kickboxing or the, the guy who specializes in striking, he probably won't drop into a lower stance until he actually gets clinched or until he's pushed up against the fence. And he really has to start working to defend takedowns. Yeah, and uh, honestly, I feel like another reason maybe why we're thinking, why, at least for me, maybe why I was thinking that or what kind of influenced me is the fact that we're kind of seeing MMA be created and be in existence from, like, we're, in our lifetime, we're seeing MMA start, be refined, become an actual sport. With other martial arts like Taekwondo or karate, 
those are disciplines that have been around for hundreds or thousands of years in some of these disciplines cases. So it's like, it's already become part of society. It's just, we know it as boxing or karate. Like if you were to say that on the streets, everybody would have an idea of what that looks like. But with MMA, honestly, and this is a thought that just occurred to me. We are still in the very early, early stages of mixed martial arts. And the way that I would put it is that long after I've passed away, there are going to be other fighters who are going to be considered all-time greats. And it's almost as if when we look at this 21st century, guys like GSP, Anderson Silva, they may not even be in consideration by the time 100, by 100 years from now or what have you. Yes and no. Okay, I, okay. I take it as like if you look at a sport like boxing, the old-time greats are still revered like Jack Dempsey. People still read his books. He wrote a book on boxing, and honestly, a lot of the stuff he was talking about back in like, when was that? Like the 40s and 50s still apply today. No, 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 but but Edmund, what I'm talking about, for instance, I'm talking about boxers from like 1600, 1700. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, but here, here's the thing. Nobody had video footage of anything mm -hmm. back then. I think if you look at boxing, anything from the 20th century onwards where we had actual film of people fighting and moving instead of exaggerated written accounts. I think, of course, there's going to be like many great, but I still think you'll still have your Joe Lewis's, your Patrick Dempsey's of the boxing world. I mean, of so, the MMA so world like, in the future. So so you feel like because in MMA we have the technology and the sources to document people's bouts and trainings, that will be a lot more long-lasting in 100, 200 years than like the early boxers of the, of the 18th century or something. Yeah. I mean, mm -hmm. just, I think what the first official written down worldwide recognized rules for boxing were like the Queensberry rules, which was like yeah. written in like the 1800s or something. Mm -hmm. Like we still have records of that. Yeah. Even to this day. And like, I'm sure there are written records of boxing bouts that still survive to this modern day. Yeah. I think my point is like, we don't really care about those as much because we can't see it. It's just, we're taking someone's word for it rather than seeing having an actual proof. film. Yeah. Like of... having video or photographic proof and everything. Right. Right. So okay. I think in like a hundred years from now, people still remember the greats of our era, like Anderson Silva, GSP, Khabib, yeah. just because there's video proof of them doing what they did in the ring. And there the are sport. official records being kept too. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I feel like in wrestling, the sport of wrestling, okay, I was especially about to for ask. every culture, there's gotta be like oral folk tales or like oral legends of people that still like survive to this day, even though hundreds of years ago, these people were alive. Like I've said before, maybe last week or like, uh, I, I, I've said like a previous episode before, I'm getting really into like swinging like heavy clubs. That was our Brock Lesnar episode. There we go. <laughs> and I'm doing that because it's great for my shoulder. A, yeah. B, it's great for like my core too. And also like that's what wrestlers used to train back in like India and Iran, you know, like during ancient times. And there's still like an exercise called the gamma cast that's supposedly like named after this famous Persian wrestler that was alive in like the 1800s or the 1700s. Mm -hmm. There's no video of this guy, but his name is like, immortalized in this one exercise and apparently his legendary bouts 
I think in a way too, right now, we've done jujitsu. Also in wrestling, there's the grip, the gable grip. That's just lived on forever as a grip we use that's named after him. But yeah. have I ever seen video footage of him wrestling? I don't think so. But to me, I'm like, oh, this is a really good wrestler, dude. He's super famous and super strong. And mm -hmm. he has his own move named after him. You know, you you definitely have a knack for presenting points that I hadn't considered before. What you're saying about having video evidence of the all-time greats in MMA, that's something I hadn't considered before as far as, yeah, maybe their legacies will be long-lasting even decades or hundreds of years from now. So I think, and I think we can agree on this. And this is a revision from my stance from last week's episode. We can agree that MMA is its own discipline. It's a name of a sport. It's a concept, an idea, but it's also its own discipline. Yeah, I, I think at this point in time, definitely. Yeah, and I, I don't know. I, I guess, you know, I've, I've kind of already been saying this is that I guess for me, I thought that there would be like a singular name that's like the art of striking and grappling. And the argument I was going to use was, oh, that's the term that combat Sambo has for that. Or that the art of striking grappling is pancreation or combat Sambo. But when you look at that, that's a combination of a bunch of different stuff. So it's kind of like, it almost refutes my argument. Like I, basically I was going to come into this episode saying, MMA came to be by combining other disciplines and it's not standalone by Combat Sambo, but it's like Combat Sambo has the same arc as MMA or just it has that same like it has that same arc as far as taking different facets of different disciplines and putting it together. Yeah, I mean, I feel like that's every martial arts that's ever existed in the world. Mm -hmm. is and that's something that I way, think, and that's and, martial arts yeah. and here's the thing that i'm excited about is the fact that that's something i hadn't considered before it was like right before we started recording i was thinking yeah pancreation is a combination of boxing wrestling that whole stuff and then literally what you're saying and i love the info that you're you're giving it's really all martial arts are formations or modifications or revisions of the thing before it or what's already around yeah. I mean, I've never done Japanese jiu-jitsu, but from what I've heard from the very few people I know who supposedly have done it, it's like Japanese jiu-jitsu does have strikes in it as well as all the throwing and grappling. And yeah. then judo just refined it to only include mainly just the grappling and throwing yeah. and then the Gracies further refined that the ground aspect of it for Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and then it's I guess like for me I come from a Kung Fu background and almost every style of Kung Fu has aspects of striking throwing and grappling there's like a thing where every martial art should have these four qualities, which is ti da shui na, which is kicking, striking, throws, and grappling. Every single style of Chinese martial arts has some aspect of that. And most of them focus more on striking than the other ones, but I guess in a way, all of Kung Fu is mixed martial arts. The only difference is a lot of the live sparring, the live drilling has kind of gone away just because, I mean, history and you could say, not to get too political, but you could also say because of the Chinese Communist Party and then just the way the society was going where they're just more focused on like living as like a society rather than training martial arts. Just because martial arts is kind of looked down upon, man. My parents didn't want me doing martial arts because they're like, oh, man, only like hoodlums and like gangsters did martial arts. Like, it's hmm. not a revered thing for yeah. Chinese people until recently, until like 
Jackie Chan started becoming like an international superstar. And then Shaolin monks entered the picture and like all these movies and stuff. Now it's like cool, but yeah. Yeah, there was, I mean, Eddie. like, if for, for instance, like, if we want to take an MMA fighter, for example, Boss Rutin, his parents were very hesitant about getting him to start martial arts. Right. He eventually convinced his parents to, but then after some time, they stopped, and then he couldn't continue that until he was in his 20s when he finally wasn't living with his parents anymore. Right. And I think, I think this all ties into, like, I feel like a lot of these traditional martial arts get a bad rap because it's been like mysticized so much because people didn't have video back then you had to rely on some dude writing a book and some dude's gonna over exaggerate stuff when he's writing it down on paper to catch your attention and then that's why we have kung fu masters who can do like no touch knockouts or whatever yeah and people still believe that stuff to this modern day so the point I'm trying to make is I feel like martial arts all across the world, even the traditional ones, were the MMA of its time and place because people just, that's all they had. And people, if you look at martial arts, people would do anything to fight to survive. If we look at the historical use of martial arts, right? Mm -hmm. They'll use any method, any tactic, any technique to win a fight be it punching kicking grappling wrestling whatever they'll put it all together and use that to win a fight yeah and yeah i just my whole theory on it is like a lot of these martial arts like you said have existed for hundreds and thousands of years if it didn't work it wouldn't exist in my opinion so there was a time where these things were legit and were real and it worked and we're probably just as effective as like the MMA we see today probably looked differently because the rule set might be different. Conditioning of the fighters might be different, but it was stuff that worked. And then they just called it Taekwondo or karate or Shaolin Kung Fu. And then it's funny now we're having this discussion of like about I think I think what should honestly, we call mixed martial yeah, arts? Yeah, which know? which is funny because the basically that's one of the things I was gonna say is that I feel like we're putting too much emphasis, or at least maybe I'm putting too much emphasis on the name of it. Like it can't be mixed martial arts. It has to be like I keep trying to find the word as far as the how to the word to describe it, but I guess looking for an official title of it as opposed to mixed martial arts. Kind of like, Dude, okay, it's pancreation or something. I don't know. I'm fine with mixed martial arts, man. Because, like, again, from <laughs> I my mean, at this point, background... At, 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 just really quick, at this point, I'm okay with it, too, because yeah. I've had this revision <laughs> and all this stuff. Yeah, but it's like, from my background, kung fu literally means hard work. And then really? the other term for, like, yeah, Chinese martial arts is wushu. And so wushu literally means martial arts. Mm -hmm. so it's like okay and then you have like all these other sub styles say like bruce lee he did wing chun wing chun is like literally the name of this like buddhist priestess who like ran away from like the buddhist temple and learned this martial arts and they just named it after her mm -hmm. I, I think or... i think it's like i think it's like the idea is that like i'm looking for a term that means the art of grappling and striking which i guess they already have stuff like that that those yeah. kinds of things already exist yeah i i feel like every martial art the name of their martial art would be historically the name of like mma mm -hmm. yeah <laughs> it's just yeah i feel the, like we've the... come to like the modern world where we just we have so much information about everything in the world and every culture. I feel like mixed martial arts is like the best way to express all that because it is just a mix of everything that humans have ever thought of in fighting will probably apply in mixed martial arts and will be added and adapted into mixed martial arts. Yeah, it's just there are certain disciplines that I've seen to be like 
those are the ones that are most suited for it because think about it you don't see right. A, right. you don't see aikido specialists in mma oh god <laughs> I, I mean i i'm just i mean there's probably a reason for that i mean like i don't want to get into like the details of it because i feel like that would take us in a entirely new direction in this episode I will say, like, nowadays, people have stopped ragging on Taekwondo and everybody rags on Aikido, which I am all on board for, you know? All right. I mean, like I said, I don't, I don't want to get into that because there's a little bit of a different, there's a different thing that I kind of wanted to mention or, like, another point that I wanted to make as far mm -hmm. as it's a little bit of a follow-up from last week's episode. So... In that episode, we were talking about how in the beginning of MMA, there were specialists. And then eventually MMA developed into where you had to be well-rounded and you had the hybrid fighter. Now, here's the thing that I'm curious about, Edmund. When I think about that era of mixed martial arts where it was dominated by the hybrid fighter, here are some examples that come to mind for me, and I'm curious if you would agree with that. These are people who I consider hybrid or well-rounded fighters because either they were skilled in all the facets, they had equal number of submissions to knockouts in their victories, or it was, it was like you they had no weak point or they had no weakness, really. So let me ask, let me, let me run some names with you. Let me see if you agree. Is that okay? Yeah, sure. Okay. So the example of hybrid fighters or the well-rounded MMA fighters who dominated the game from, I would say, the late 90s to the 2000s. There's, we mentioned this, Frank Shamrock. He's one of them. Yeah. Okay. There's George St. Pierre. Yeah. Demetrius Johnson. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, because he, he was skilled on the ground, wrestling, striking, all that stuff. I feel like he's more, I, I don't know. Yeah. No, no. Oh, oh, what, mean, that he's twice, more skilled with wrestling? He's more, he's just so dynamic in his striking. I feel like that's That's why he's one of those well That's why I'm saying he's an example of a hybrid fighter, a well-rounded fighter, because even though he has that background in wrestling, he became so adept at everything. So Demetrius Johnson, can we agree that's an example of the well-rounded fighter? Yeah, sure. Okay. John Jones. Yeah. Okay. Now, here where it kind of deviates a little bit, or there might be some differences, and I don't know if you'll agree with me, but let me run some names. I feel like, to an extent, Anderson Silva, and the reason why yeah. I, the reason why I say that is because even though wrestling may have been not the strongest part of his game, he learned how to... I guess he he learned how to make up for that or kind of balance it all out with the, with the other facets of his game where he learned good enough wrestling defense. I think it was just because he was so good standing up that no one could even get him on the ground. I mean, but he had some takedown defense against Chael Sonnen or Dan Henderson yeah. and all them. I mean, they gave him problems, but yeah, I mean... Those were like the guys who came the closest to beating him, I think, you know. Yeah, so that the, it's like instances like that or the fact that we never saw Anderson Silva use his wrestling to take people down. Like, that's why I'm saying, okay, to an extent, he was well-rounded or what have you. Yeah, but it's like I, I agree. The, yeah. the thing about Anderson Silva is that he had his Muay Thai and then he also had his Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. So he was covered striking or on the ground. So that's another name. BJ Penn. I feel like he was one of those hybrid well-rounded fighters oh god i feel like you're gonna disagree no i agree i mean okay. he was really known for <laughs> jujitsu but yeah he had decent stand-up if he ever wanted to train you know yeah yeah but like i just say that because he got good on his striking obviously in, on the ground he was very skilled randy couture to an extent because yeah he's not gonna armbar people from his back but here's the thing about randy couture he was a guy who learned that he needed sub defense and after 2001 he never lost a fight again by submission i kind of agree but mostly disagree that see that's why i say randy couture to an extent and the reason why i say to an extent is 
yeah, he doesn't really submit people or he's not too skilled off his back, but he at least learned that he needed to know the defense and he learned that he he realized he needed to hang there. And for instance, in his fight against Minotaro Nogueira, that went the distance. But would you say he has good striking? I mean, he had good dirty boxing. He was good in the clinch and he became, I guess, adept at striking. My kind of like grading curve on these quote unquote hybrid fighter is like, or these well rounded fighters. Cause yeah, I'm also they using should that be well rounded in the sense that they're good at everything. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I feel like Randy Couture's strength was his wrestling and being able to like use that into his game. Like his dirty boxing was great because he was a great wrestler. Yeah. His ground and pound style basically totally revolved all around his wrestling. I see him more as like a really athletic wrestler, even though he is old. He was, I, I put him in the category of like wrestler. Yeah. Just because yeah. there was that era where everybody who was dominating in the UFC was a wrestler and they used that similar ground and pound dirty boxing clinch fight style that kind of randy couture pioneered yeah yeah i mean see that's why i'm using the disclaimers that i am because randy couture was a little limit not a little i mean he there's no disrespect he's one of the greatest of all times so i just want to make that clear he was limited in some regards but i feel as though i don't know maybe at the very least we can say he made more of an honest effort to be well-rounded or become well-rounded or become as well-rounded as he can than, for instance, like a Chuck Liddell who only has one victory by submission. Yeah. I mean, I get that, but it's like, I, I, I guess for me, it's like well-rounded. Okay. Could this guy hang with a kickboxer in a kickboxing ring under kickboxing rules? Like, he doesn't have to win, but can he do enough to make an impressive showing? Yeah. And then could this guy also be in a boxing ring and do enough to make an impressive showing? And then could this guy also be just be thrown in like a wrestling match and kind of do the same? And then a Brazilian jiu-jitsu match and kind of do the same? You know, it's like, can this, this fighter be thrown into whatever combat sport or discipline? And he doesn't have to win, but do enough to hang there to show that oh, he's pretty damn competent compared to like an expert. I think that some of this might come down to how we're kind of defining a well-rounded or hybrid fighter because like I gave my definition or my qualifications for that and you're giving yours. So it might be yeah. a little bit, I don't know. Of course, there's going to be differences. And right. I mean, that's why I kind of say like, okay, Randy Couture, like maybe in the sense of like he wasn't well-rounded, but... He at least had his bases somewhat covered. But then it, I mean, I feel like if you go with that definition, every MMA fighter is a well-rounded fighter in that well, sense. Well, uh, I don't know. I don't. I don't. I, don't, I mean, you know I, what I mean? It's, it's like it's, it's it's interesting because like I'm thinking, no, that's not the case, but I don't know how to explain it right now. Because to me, it's like if Randy Couture had to do a kickboxing match i would not it wouldn't even be close yeah i don't even think he would hang there and make an impressive showing i think if it's just a pure kickboxing fight it'd be so one-sided i wouldn't even want to watch that i see okay if you okay. put john jones in a kickboxing match he might not win but i think he'll do enough to like put up a good fight and make it a really entertaining fight even though yeah. he has a wrestling background. Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of how I see it. It's like, if you throw him into like a sport, a combat sport that's not MMA, could they hang in and do, you know, like yeah, yeah. Demetrius Johnson is a great example because yeah, he I mean, did with his a round with Rod Tang. With, yep, Rod yeah. Tang. And he hung in there and then he totally won on the MMA rounds, of course, but he could hang in there in a kickboxing match with one of the best Muay Thai kickboxers of the era right now. Yeah, I mean, 
I don't know. I guess there's a little bit of a difference that we may have as far as Randy Couture. Like maybe we can agree to an extent. Randy was at least he at least tried to be well-rounded. Yeah, I agree. He's a great fighter, but I don't put him in the category as like a hybrid fighter. I put him under like the wrestler clinch uh, category. Okay. All right. All right. Well, let me throw some other names with you in addition sure. to that. I'll give you a few other names. Matt Hughes. Sure. Because I, I understand that he's has a wrestling background and that's his ace in the hole, which is something I'll get into in a second. But he has some submission wins and he was pretty adept in the various facets of it. Yeah, I could I, agree with that. Yeah. I throw Carlos Condit in there because he has almost the same number of submission victories as he does knockout or TKO victories. So, okay. Fedor Emelianenko, to of an, course, yeah, yeah. Fe, I was gonna say to an extent, but um, I don't. No, he. I think he can hang. I mean, with I like... mean, the reason why I say to an extent is because, like, I guess my stance of like, okay, how good at wrestling was Fedor? Just, you know, eventually he was figured out and such. Yeah, but then for a guy who sucked at wrestling, he was really good at ground and pound, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm like, we we did like a five or six parter on Fedor. It was four, okay. It was four. <laughs> hey, we were still learning what to do about this podcast. Yeah, I know. No, okay. I know. <laughs> okay. So uh, I don't know. I guess there's, I guess I said him to an extent just because like I'm looking into like what his background is and just like, whether he trained in like one of the core principles of MMA as a child, like I, I don't know, but I think I think maybe I'm being a little harsh on Fedor to be honest. Yeah, um, man. Uh, yeah, what? What? Yeah, I think you are. Okay, all right. So yeah, Fedor Emelianenko, well-rounded. Few other names I'll throw: Nick Diaz, because sure. Nick Diaz is the type of guy where he is a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt, but he was so skilled in boxing, so. In his prime, when you were fighting him, when he was on his crazy win streak, it's kind of along the lines of, okay, he's good standing, he's good striking. So where are you going to take him that's a weak point? No, exactly. Yeah, he's a great example. I think also when Lyoto Machida was in his prime, he was well-rounded. And then what? Maybe, I don't... I think when he was in his prime, was he really ever tested in the ground and wrestling department? Though? I mean, he could he could hang on the ground. He I guess. you know fought on the ground. He submitted Sokaju, for instance, and then That's there true. there was Tito Ortiz attempted on him in his fight. So he was one of those guys. I remember in the late two thousands was in that GSP Anderson Silva category of being this well rounded fighter who's so elite yeah. and one of the all time greats. So I would say yeah, him. I could see that. Yeah. Okay. 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 All right. So I think that's all the names I'll present. I mean, the only other name that I have, I think, would be like, for instance, Fabricio Verdum. I think later on became more well rounded just because he worked on his striking and really got right. skilled in that. So that leads into this point that I have. And Bear with me for a second because I'm trying to figure out how to describe this and I'm kind of working my way into that. So last week we were talking about, okay, there's the specialist. Like, are we in that era of the specialist? And I did a deep dive into this or I was looking into this and I was thinking, okay, are we actually in that era of the specialist? But Here's the like here's the 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 final thought that I have. Like to sum up my stance in a thesis statement, I suppose, this is the best way I can put it. We were in the era from the mid to late 2000s with the hybrid well-rounded fire, your GSPs, Demetrius Johnsons, all those people. There's been a transition of instead of just being an all-around good fighter and being equally skilled in everything. Now what fighters are doing is that they have the thing that they're good at. They have one thing that they're exceptionally good at. And you, and whether it's, for instance, Demetrius Johnson and his wrestling or Fedor and his judo or Anderson Silva with Muay Thai, 
They have that one thing that's their ace in the hole, which was something that I mentioned earlier in this episode. Usually it's the thing that they've been training in the longest. But nowadays, basically, we've reached a point where fighters are now so familiar and skilled in all the facets of MMA. It's not like in the 90s where their striking was way below their wrestling or vice versa, depending on what their background is. Now everybody is so skilled in all the different facets, they can afford to take something and make it even higher. The best way I can describe this is that now you have somebody who will have their Brazilian jiu-jitsu and their striking at a nine or an eight, and then their wrestling's at a 15. Just like using that skill from one to 10, but their wrestling, for instance, along the lines of Kamaru Usman, that goes way beyond the 10 being the highest. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. Because I firmly believe that everyone... And this is kind of piggybacking off of last week's episode, stuff that we covered. But like I said, I've had a lot of time to think about this. Everyone is going to have their base that they rely on or that is their strongest suit. And maybe what has happened is that now there's been a transition where instead of like, okay, I'm going to get to an eight or a nine in Brazilian jiu-jitsu striking and wrestling, now, okay, I can afford to make one a little bit higher than the other. At its core, basically what I'm getting at is that you can make one aspect a higher level because you've rounded out the other parts of your game. Yeah. I, I think, like because I said last time, a lot of the current crop of MMA fighters grew up doing another form of martial arts before they transitioned to MMA. So yeah. you have a bunch of like, and they're like experts at their field. They've yeah. already won boxing tournaments or Taekwondo tournaments or like wrestling tournaments. Like they're yeah. an expert in that field already and they're still young. And now they had the time and the energy to improve the other aspects of their game as well to that high top tier level. Yeah, I also agree. It's like whatever they were good at originally just shot up to like an 11 or 15. Well, because you know? like now training is so sophisticated and everyone's so knowledgeable that it's like, okay, let me take that one thing that I'm best at and make it even better, which is kind of what you got along the lines of, you know, the examples that we provided where there's Habib Nurmagomedov, who I, although I would say that he's a little more well-rounded than for instance, Damian Maya and I don't know people are probably going to hate this but I would kind of view Connor as a little more limited than yeah you know? totally limited and like I think for instance Damian Maya and Connor McGregor those are examples of specialists hard set specialists because yes with Damian Maya he mostly just resorted to his jujitsu in his fights Connor a lot of his fights ended by by strikes or he would knock them out and all that stuff. Yeah. And if he ever got to the ground, he was done. So, so like, I guess here's the thing that I was getting at or like right when I'm saying that, the last week's conversation just kind of, I guess it kind of confused me because I was thinking to myself, are we actually in the era of the specialist? Because... For instance, sometimes there will be fights where Kamaru Usman dominates a person using his grappling or his wrestling. Or you have Connor winning fights just with striking. Or here's a good example. Francis Ngannou over Stipe Miocic, I think is a good example. Because leading into that fight, I thought Miocic was going to win because he's more well-rounded. And that just kind of fell into my line, like my line of thinking and sometimes why I'm wrong with predictions is that I thought the more well-rounded someone is, then they'll win. But that one facet that somebody's really good at with Francis Ngannou, his boxing, it's so good that it may be enough of a difference maker to win that bout, which is kind of like with Connor In his prime, his striking was enough of a difference maker that it didn't matter if you were well-rounded. He could win just that way. Yeah, I mean, I feel like... There's always going to be a place in MMA for the hybrid fighter, the guy who's like a generalist. Yeah. He's just pretty good at everything. 
just because that's that's the nature of the sport. Yeah, I and mean, who you, knows? You like, could argue. You could. Uh, can you argue that, for instance, Angela Lee is an example of a hybrid fighter? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I know she's probably not as skilled striking as she is on the ground, but we saw her fight. We're we're plugging one championship again with their one X event. Her fight with Stan Fairtex, she hung in there with Stan Fairtex. Yeah, I would say she is. And I, I feel like it, it just depends, but probably 20, 30 years from now, the next generation of top MMA fighters, they're probably going to be all be generalists again, but at such a high level, at a much higher level. What do you mean? So like you, you, you gave the example, like everybody's like wrestling and grappling or striking. It's at like a nine, eight or yeah. a nine. Yeah. And then whatever that weird thing they're good at is at a 15. Yeah. I think 20 to 30 years from now, everybody's striking and grappling is going to be at a 15. Yeah. And because, then, because they train specifically for mixed martial right. arts. Okay. And then give that another 10, 15, 20 years everybody's striking is going to be a, and grappling and wrestling is going to be at a 15 and you're going to have that guy who's at a 20 at that one weird thing he does, you know? So I feel yeah. like it, like I said, it goes in cycles like yeah, that. Yeah. But I think, yeah, we are entering in that era where like, if you have that weird one skill, you're really good at, you're going to get good at everything else, but you're going to make that one weird thing super good and like that's gonna be your bread and butter because i think it also sells fights because you're gonna have a highlight reel and like we were saying earlier people have like the archetype or the stereotype of how like karate should look like or taekwondo should look like yeah so you can market yourself better say <laughs> a good example oh, would be God. like zhang wei li I see her saying, oh, yeah, I do Tai Chi. This is all Tai Chi, and I incorporate Chinese martial arts into MMA. And first of all, I'm like, that's some Chinese propaganda BS. You know, mm. She's clearly just doing kickboxing, and she's good at it. But she's really good at kickboxing and striking, so that's her bread and butter. It makes her highlight reel. It makes her marketable pepper in that cultural aspect of Chinese Kung Fu and you have a Chinese superstar who's breaking some borders. Yeah. But it's, it's kind of interesting how I came to this realization and it, it, because I guess I was sort of looking into it and just being like, okay, are we in that era where people are just specialists again? And then I started thinking about, for instance, people rounding out their games so then they can enhance one aspect of it. It's like, because I was thinking of examples where, for instance, Israel Adesanya, you can't just take him down and then he's done. And it started making me think of other fighters, other examples that a lot of fighters have rounded out their game enough to the point that they can, you know, like I said, they can enhance that one aspect of it. Where I think, for instance, Oliveira and his jujitsu or Kamaru and his wrestling, Izzy was kickboxing. And then when I thought about that, that was literally like an aha moment where I'm thinking, wait, that's it. That's what it is, is that we're in that era of MMA where you need to be skilled at everything. And once you get to that level, okay, let's make one thing even stronger, which is what Oliveira did. Charles Oliveira, who's the current UFC lightweight champion, he used to be predominantly known as a jiu-jitsu practitioner or just he was kind of single-faceted in that way, but then he rounded out his striking to become really well-adept and reach the level that he's at now, this incredible win streak and all that stuff. Khabib Nurmagomedov, who... If we were making a custom fighter and they're saying, oh, uh, choose which fighter striking you want, which fighters jujitsu you want in this in this avatar what have you i would say give me habib's wrestling oh yeah, yeah. give me habib Nurmagomedov's wrestling because that's how freaking good it is yeah 
So it, it was like thinking of those guys and those examples. That was when I realized, okay, that's what it is. It's not that we're in the specialist era. It's the idea that everyone has improved their game so much and then they can go back. You know what? This is it. This is the realization. I'm having this as we're recording it. Okay. <laughs> everyone has rounded out their game. So now they can focus or fine tune or perfect or really work on that one thing that they're really good at which is usually the martial art they've been doing the longest or that they're the most skilled at that's honestly i think that's the best way to put it i i don't know if there's any other way that i can put it other than that yeah i i think to go off what you're saying i think yeah everybody's gotten so good at everything that now they have time to refine the thing that they're doing the longest or whatever to make sure they have an edge on the rest of the competition and, and the way and the way and it, it, you know let me see if you agree with this the way that it's different from for instance the 90s is because we don't have those guys who are just training in their in their kickboxing or their sambo like they're not just coming in there with one tool the way it's different from that era is the fact that these fighters they have the resources in the other disciplines that they need yeah I mean, like, if you look at today's modern-day MMA, how many Hoist Gracies are you going to see where they just go into a fight with jiu-jitsu, for instance? That's no knock on Hoist Gracie. He's a legend, pioneer. He's in my Mount Rushmore. But that's just yeah, the it, era that he was a part of. It was like, okay, right. if you have boxing, that's what you come in with. That's all you're going to use. If you have wrestling, that's all you have. That's all you're going to use. If you have judo, that's all you have. That's what you're going to use. Yeah. I mean, that's why last week I was like, we're never going to see that again unless it's on like YouTube or something. <laughs> you know, there's a very interesting fascination about this episode, the direction it took because, and I'm actually grateful for it or I'm happy about it because it literally, the first thing that I said or that I was, my first point that I was going to get at in this episode, it completely got shifted and it kind of made me rethink things and or it just it made me look at things differently. And it's kind of funny because this is the interesting thing about this podcast. We try to inform people about martial arts and teach people about MMA or give them info about the sport and everything. And it's like, I'm one of the hosts for the podcast and even I'm learning things, sometimes on air. <laughs> that's great, man. I mean, hey, that's, that's what you want to do. I just, I guess it's just like, I don't know. It's kind of fascinating. And sometimes it kind of, takes me by surprise but it's like a pleasant surprise yeah <laughs> but i mean yeah i mean that's kind of i think that's what it is is that like maybe the best way to describe it is that we're not in that era of the specialist we're in that era where instead of like we were kind of alluding to in our last episode the generalist now we have the well-rounded fighters who have the strong suit yeah, actually, I think that's a better way to put it, really. Because, because all these guys can grapple, all these guys can wrestle, all these guys can strike. Which, you know, you know one of the examples, uh, you know, just saying, for instance, like Israel Adesanya, like you can't just take him down and then he's just a turtle on his back. Right. Or Aljamain Sterling, you can't just like kick him in the leg and he's going to fall over, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Which is kind of funny because that's kind of like how if I'm not mistaken, that's how Pedro Hizzo beat Dan. H uh, I was about to say Dan Henderson. <laughs> Sorry. Like uh, no, no, no. That's kind of how Pedro Hizzo beat Dan Severn when they fought in the late nineties. He just did a lot of leg kicks and that was it. Yeah. So, I mean, you have to be freakishly strong. Like Jose Aldo back in the day where he would leave a literal welt on your leg from kicking you. But like, yeah, most fighters now can take pretty good leg hits. Now people mm -hmm. are like, oh yeah, the calf kick is a thing. I'm like, yeah, but kickboxers have been dealing with calf kicks for so long. Give them a couple months, they'll adapt. The mm -hmm. sport's evolving really fast. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's it, the evolution of the sport, like honestly, probably from doing these episodes, it's getting me more fascinated or excited about what the future of MMA is going to look like, where who knows? Maybe the future of MMA, you're going to have more Alexander Volkanovsky's or Max Holloway's entering the game or all those guys who are at City Kickboxing 
you're going to see more of that. You're going to see more of Angela and Christian Lee, all that high level stuff. I think so, man. I think the future of MMA is going to be, we're going to have super dynamic strikers with really great wrestling and grappling. I feel like it's, it's probably not going to look like a movie, but we're going to have those highlight reel moments where it looks like a movie with someone doing a crazy flying kick or crazy kickboxing combo off someone or someone who's like just relentless like Khabib and they're just shooting and transitioning from takedown to take technique to like a different takedown all at once. I think that's the future of MMA. Maybe I'm being way too optimistic, but it's like, everybody's getting so good and then the only way you can really differentiate yourself is by having like a crowd pleasing style as they say in boxing yeah like it's exciting and fun to watch yeah i hear you i mean honestly i feel like in just in the midst of this conversation there's more things that we can kind of like dissect or talk about like for instance getting into some of my thoughts about combat sambo because i've really been looking into that i mean we don't have the time to get into that but I would hope that people really learn a lot of things about martial arts and how they're being implemented in the game and sport of MMA. And at least I can say for me, I've learned a lot about martial arts discipline in these series of episodes. And it's been, it's been an enlightening and grateful experience. Yeah. I mean, I'm such a nerd. I'm glad that <laughs> I'm glad this podcast is my outlet. There you go, man. <laughs> Sometimes I try to tell people I train my clients about all this and then they're just like, uh-huh. Can we just get to the workout? So So it's so it's kind of like <laughs> I it's kind of like this podcast, us hosting it as your outlet for that, huh? Yeah, it's it's therapeutic, man. Damn, dude. Okay. I was so that, yeah, you know what? I'm happy to hear that. And I'm happy that you get something good out of doing this podcast. And I would hope that our listeners do as well. I hope you guys learned something in this episode. It was a fun conversation to have. Let us know your response to this episode. You can let us know on Twitter. Our username is at Unified Rules PO1. We're on Instagram at Unified Rules Podcast. If you have any questions or inquiries for us, you can email us. Our email address is unifiedrulespodcast at gmail.com. Have a good day, everybody. Have a good night. Stay safe.